0: Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Silence in the storm. I remember a season of silence in the midst of a storm that my wife and I my, Chris, my, my beautiful wife of 22 years, Krista, is with me here this weekend. She doesn't get to travel with me very often, but she's out with me this weekend. And, and, uh, and I remember us experiencing this season of silence um, a couple of years ago. The storm came in the form of our firstborn baby girl, Caitlin. And uh, when Caitlin came along, I was relatively confident, I'm not going to lie. You know what I'm saying? like, I was a youth communicator, she was gonna be a young person, we were gonna get each other, Um, I read a book. I thought I did everything one could do to prepare themselves for the rigors of child raising and rearing. And sure enough, for the first couple of months, it was relatively simple. She ate well, she slept well, and she even smiled for pictures. I was thinking to myself, I should be writing a book. But then something started happening after six months that didn't stop happening for two years. At 8 p.m., and then again at 11 p.m., and then again at 1 a.m., and then again at 3 a.m., and then again at 5 a.m., my baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and begin to cry. I'm not talking about cute baby tears that make you want to take a picture of her for all posterity. I'm talking about blood-curdling screams that make you want to throw holy water on her and see something flies out. That kind of crying is going on. So my wife and I found ourselves night after night after night in the middle of our lounge room, sitting on this black couch, crying wife, crying baby, me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man, (laughs) experiencing this crazy storm, sleep deprived, deeply discouraged, even depressed. And you find yourself in the middle of that storm, it's asking questions. Hey, where are you, God, in the middle of our storm? There are different times. Uh, In life, where you experience a storm and you cry out to God, instantaneously, he reacts and responds. An encouragement washes over your soul. A provision miraculously comes into your world. But there are other times where the clouds brew and the storm hits. Your life is rocked. You cry out to God, and it feels like he goes uneasily quiet. This was one of those seasons. Have you experienced one of those seasons before? And so I've been there, and, and so we're hanging out, and we're, we're on this couch, and, and as a good Christian soldier, what you start doing is you start praying to God. You start crying out to God. So you start praying these prayers, these passionate prayers, these desperate prayers, these slightly untheologically correct prayers. You know, Jesus, if you help us out right now, I'll mortgage my soul to you for the rest of my days. You don't have to give me no money. I'll serve you. And like, I'm, like, I'm like praying these crazy prayers, but it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. And there have been times where God has whispered to me so closely, but in this situation, as we found ourselves night after night in the same place, seemingly with nothing changing, it felt like God wasn't listening to our prayers. He was being silent in our storm. So I thought to myself, okay, if the prayers aren't going to help, I'm going to really pull out the big guns. I'm pulling out the Word of God, you know what I'm saying? So I pull out the Bible and get myself a concordance, and I find every single scripture with the words peace, silence, still, stillness, Shut up. Like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm speaking the word over my baby girl. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. <laughs> but still, night after night, we found ourselves in the exact same place, seeking God, begging for God to move, but still, silence in the storm. Silence is distressing. Silence is disturbing. And after a couple of weeks of pure discouragement, silence. Was beginning to be destructive so I thought to myself okay if the prayers aren't gonna do it and the Word of God isn't gonna do it I'm gonna pull out the really big guns I'm bringing Joyce Meyer into this (laughs) so we turn on some Christian TV and then Joyce Meyer is preaching I'm praying these prayers I'm rubbing the Bible on my baby's head but night after night still silence in the storm I thought to myself if Joyce can't sort this out I'm bringing Darlene check into this mix So we got worship music playing, she's shouting unto the Lord, Joyce is preaching, I'm praying, I'm rubbing the Bible on her head, but still night after night. Friends, I'm telling you, there have been seasons where God has moved miraculously on our behalf. There have been times where I've sensed God boom deep into my spirit, calming the waves. But in this situation, as I found myself so deeply discouraged, again, crying wife, crying baby, me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man wrestling with this idea that God is good and God is strong, but I'm not seeing this goodness or this strength as I find myself in the midst of silence in the storm. And because I'm a part of a faith community during this whole ordeal, there are well-meaning segments of every faith community who will remain nameless, women, who will come forward with advice on how to get your baby to go to sleep. Had this beautiful old Chinese lady come up and tell me what I needed to do is to boil some Chinese tea and pour it on my daughter's back. Well, what would happen is a hair would grow out, I need to shave that hair off, and then my baby would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night, praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head. Joyce is preaching, Darlene's singing, the kettle is boiling, because that's how you get when you find yourself in the middle of a storm. And before you Caucasian people get on your child rearing high horses, there are some crazy white remedies too. This old lady told me I need to get, um, get my baby girl and wrap her in towels really, really tight and put her on a washing machine and turn the washing machine on. Because the rocking motion would make my baby think she was in the womb again. So here I am in the middle of the night, praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head. Darlene's singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle's boiling, my baby's on the washing machine. Because that's how you get when you find yourself knowing God is good, but you're not feeling the goodness. Come on, you know that he's strong, but he ain't flexing in this situation. You know that he talks, but for some reason, he's lost his voice. Where is God when it feels like he's being quiet in our storm? Now, the reality is many of you have not experienced that, that kind of trial, the trial of sleep deprivation, and the trial of feeling like you failed as a parent of a newborn. But I know that everyone here in this room in some way, shape, or form, if you've journeyed any period of time with Jesus, has experienced some kind of storm where it felt like Jesus went a little bit quiet, you know what I'm saying? How about those financial storms, you know what I'm saying? You're doing everything right by the book. You're giving, you're sowing, you're tithing, you're going to business, men's and women's breakfast, you're claiming him as Jehovah Jireh, clap your provider, you're doing everything right by the book. But for some reason, you've gone through a season where your finances aren't adding up. Maybe even this week you sat at your desk or at your dinner table and you looked at your bills and you tried to work. How am I going to make ends meet when it feels like the ends are running away from one another? You cry out to God and you're begging Him to move on your behalf and you've seen Him do it before and you've seen Him do it for other people, but in this season you're finding yourself, yo, God, why are you going quiet in the middle of my financial storm? How about those family storms? They're called teenagers. Remember back in the day... It was like kind of everything started off so easily, and you were kind of like this. You know, the Bible says that if you raise them a certain way and and set their feet on a certain path, they wouldn't depart from these paths, but here they are, running away at a rate of knots. And what compounds the pain is you see all of your friends with their teenagers, and it feels like they're all growing closer together and closer with Jesus, but your kid is becoming more and more, week by week, the story of the prodigal son or daughter. So you look towards heaven and you beg him, hey, God, move on behalf of my kid. But it feels like they keep running away further and further. And you ask this question in the quiet of the night. Do you care about my family? Why are you being so silent in the middle of this storm? How about those marriage storms? A couple of years ago, things were going so well. And you thought that this would be you know, this marriage season, season, like checking into a field full of flowers, we would frolic forever, but then now it's more like World War III, <laughs> and there's a disconnect, and you find yourself in separate areas in the house, praying to the same God, asking for a supernatural, miraculous move, but for some reason, you feel that divide growing bigger and bigger. Where are you, God, in the middle of my marriage storm? How about the single people here in this room? Who wish they had a person that they could fight with? You know what I'm saying? You're doing everything right by the book. You're embracing the singleness season and kind of just like kind of loving Jesus and dating Him in the meantime and staying pure and holy and just waiting for Mr. Right to come along. Half Edward, half Jacob, kind of like to read the Bible and kind of stuff. And that was like an old kind of Twilight reference. Remember that one? You remember that one? But now you're sitting. I mean, I don't even need Mr. Right right now. Like, like Mr. Close enough. Like I'm happy with that. Like I'm we laugh right now because it's Sunday morning, but we weren't laughing Saturday night. Hmm? And there are some people who were like going, man, so, is this season going to come to an end? And I'm finding joy and I'm finding Jesus in all of that. But why are you being so quiet in my storm? How about those health storms? That sickness, that illness, That disease? I've been through these seasons with friends. Cancer would cross paths with their journey. And it always seems like the the really good people who are forced to walk through those seasons. And you know he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. It's just what he does, and he's done it before. You've seen the stories, you've heard the testimonies, but you ask this question, don't you? How about my friend's storm? How about my family member's storm? Maybe you've lied in a laid in a hospital bed at some point in your journey and you've cried out to God, how about this storm? And he goes a little quiet. Hey, yo, as a young church, you're gonna experience some storms. These church planning storms, man. Stepping out, I got all this vision, and I've got like, oh, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to do together, and this is, this is how many people can going to get touched and how many people get impacted. But there are going to be seasons where you find yourself going, okay, God, <laughs> we stepped out in faith. we hanging out here with you, but w- w- where is your might now? Where is your power now? We want to see the breakthrough. Come on, revival come. But there will be seasons where in your church life and in your ministry life, it'll feel like someone, like I said, bumped the mute button in heaven, and God goes uncomfortably quiet. The reality is any genuine journey with Jesus that gives you any measure of life overflowing will also provide extended periods of time where it feels like this good God has gone quiet in your storm. Now, I don't raise these realities to, you know, kill the the vibe or the happy mood here in this room. But I raise these realities because I know that this church is desperately desirous to connect real people, come on, and their real lives with a real God. And it's important that we talk about these real seasons. And the great news is God doesn't leave us here in this tension. No, he gives us the word of God and the spirit of God to process through exactly where he is when it feels like he's gone a little bit quiet in our storm. So, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to a passage of scripture where Jesus shows us, like just really clearly, exactly where he is, where he will be when it feels like he's gone quiet in our store? If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Mark. Everyone say Mark like an Australian, Mark. Mark. Say Mark like an American, Mark. (laughs) Say Mark like a Chinaman, Mark. Awesome, I taught you languages. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. If I've racially offended you in any way, please send all complaint emails to me, okay? Uh, (laughs) Jason.Laird at Sozo.com. Mark chapter 4. Jesus going quiet. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over that boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, right up front, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, because I see myself in this story. Just a disciple trying to get from point A through to point B and hold on to Jesus, you know what I'm saying? And here we are, trying to get over to the other side of the lake. Can we can I just make like a side note here? Just just recognize right at the beginning of the story, it is made abundantly clear that they were smack bang in the middle of God's will. Jesus was telling them to go over to the other side. We have to break this paganistic, like erroneous kind of mentality that says if God's gone quiet, he's somehow angry at you. Sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. And so here the disciples, like me, are just trying to hang out with Jesus and, and stay close to the heart of God keep treading in the will of God. And they're out there in the middle of the lake, and the storm gathers, the storm brews, the storm hits, and their boat is rocked. They're tossed back and forth, and these young men, most of whom are raised on this very sea of Galilee, they'd seen storms before, but they knew this was the big one they were going under. And the whole way through this episode, Jesus is asleep on a cushion, In plain sight, seemingly disconnected from their pain, seemingly apathetic to their fear. The disciples freak out and ask the question that we've all asked before in private Hey, Jesus, do you care if we drown? Hey, Jesus, do you care if my business goes under? Hey, Jesus, do you care if this marriage splits apart? Hey, Jesus, do you care if my kids run away forever? Hey, Jesus, do you care if this disease takes me out? Jesus, do you care? Eventually, by his grace and for his glory, in his time, he would arise, speak to the wind and the waves, say, Quiet, be still, creation is calm. revelation is revealed, but more about that later. Where was Jesus? No, mm, where is Jesus when it feels like he's gone quiet in the storm? Three simple points. Number one, write it down. He's still in your boat. If you walk away with nothing else this weekend, I hope and pray that you walk away with this glorious reality reverberating deep in your spirit. That no matter how dark the night, no matter how deep the hole, no matter how ravaging the storm, Jesus is still in your boat. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. The going's getting hot, but Jesus isn't getting going. He is still in your boat. You'll see it right here in the text. Jesus was right there as he was in The boat. As the rain drenched the disciples, the rain was drenching Jesus. As the sea threatened the disciples, the sea was threatening Jesus. As the waves were about to overtake the disciples, the waves were about to overtake Jesus. If that boat capsized and the disciples would have to swim for sure, Jesus too would have capsized and would have had to make a swim slash walk for sure because Jesus was still in the boat. This is the beautiful distinction that the gospel provides between what Jesus offers in every other world religion I'm not here to throw shade at anyone's faith. I applaud any man or woman's honest pursuit of a relationship with their Creator, but do not be mistaken, Christianity isn't just another branch on this glorious big tree that is basically called religion. Jesus, Christianity, and the gospel is very different. You see, every world religion is based on this simple premise that through your actions, through your activities, your endeavor and your effort and your energy, you can somehow live in such a way that you can impress a God and one day he will take you away from this earth. But Christianity is different. Christianity isn't about us living a certain way so that we can get out of this place. Christianity is about the God of this universe, driven by love, coming down to this earth in the person of his son, Jesus, still here by the Holy Spirit to step into our muck, to step into our mire, to be with us when our boat is rocked. He is in the boat. In that household, he is in your boat. In that hospital room, he is in Your boat. In that lawyer's office, he is in your boat. In the midst of that anxiety that is closing in on, he is in your boat. In that heartbreak and that pain, he is in your boat. He promises to never leave you or forsake you, and the great promise maker is a grand promise keeper, and he will show himself time and time again in your boat. Even in the silence, he's in your boat. Number two, write this down. He's still in control. He is still in control. If you look at the text here, the Bible says he's there on a stern, sleeping on a cushion. He makes himself comfortable in plain sight, and goes into a deep state of NREM sleep. He's like having dreams. He's snoring away. He's having a grand old time, getting his rest. Disciples all freaking out. But could I suggest to you that Jesus didn't sleep because he didn't care? He slept because he wasn't stressed. You see, the care of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the concern of Jesus was established once and for all. Romans 5.8 tells us, God demonstrates his love for us in this, whilst we're still uh, sinners, Christ died for us. Or in other words, from this point on, no matter what befalls your journey, you have hard empirical evidence to show us that God actually cares for you. He loves you because when you were at your worst, he did his absolute best to win your soul by dying on a cross for for you, on your behalf. So his care and his love and his concern has been established once and for all on a blood-stained cross on an on a hill. Okay, so his love for us is established. So we must conclude that when Jesus slept, he didn't sleep because he didn't love his disciples. He, he wasn't sleeping because he didn't love his disciples. He slept because he wasn't stressed. He was sleeping like a baby, like your baby, not mine. He wasn't stressed because he knew how things were going to play out. Because he's Alpha Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That means he's the writer, director, producer. He's the star of the entire movie. And he knew that the final credits couldn't roll until he said that they roll. He already told the disciples how this is going to play out. He said, hey, let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, hey, guys, it looks like a wonderful day to go out into the middle of a lake to drown. He didn't say that. He said, we're going to, come on, the other side. God's spoken to you. Can I just say this again? God has spoken to you. I'm going to say it one more time because some people miss miss it the first two times. God has spoken to you. Don't let circumstances get you doubting it. Don't let the devil get into the conversation to get you kind of questioning it. God has spoken to you. You're getting to the other side. Life and healing, sozo will flow herein. This church in San Francisco, God has spoken to you. He's Alpha. He's the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knew what was going to unfold. He knew how this was going to play out. So he slept comfortably. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. Colossians chapter 1 reminds us this is Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. That's just theological talk for he's a boss of the universe in whom everything was created, for whom everything was created, in whom everything is held together. He literally has the whole world in his hands because of the person of Jesus. Every single element, every single particle, every single ion, every single fiber in this universe is held together. Without Jesus, everything that we know would discombobulate. But because of Jesus, our life and your world is held together. He is in control. I'm sure that Jesus is ambidextrous, being able to use both hands equally well. But the reality is the Bible talks about this particularly strong right hand with which he grabs hold of your life. Amen. And he doesn't let go. Come and smile. This is really good news. He is in control. He's already spoken. The third one, write it down really quickly. He will act. Because that's what love does. By his grace, for his glory, in his time, he will act on your behalf and the outcome will be better than you could have devised yourself. That's what he does here. The disciples are all freaking out, talking to each other, hey, someone needs to wake the master up because we're going to die. The disciples are going, "Hey, Pete, you should say something. You were shooting your mouth off." And Pete goes, "Yo, he called me the devil last week. I don't want to push it right now." Yo, Thomas, say something. I dare you listen to me. Hey, Judas, you should say something. I don't know. He always looks at me weird. But eventually, somehow, the disciples wake Jesus up, and he just turns to the wind and the waves and says, "Hey, shh." And creation is calmed. Never allow this season of silence to diminish your understanding of God's power, command and capacity to calm even the wildest storm. to bring healing into the most dark situation, to bring restoration, even into the midst of the most lost of causes. Can I just take you to Sunday school for like 60 seconds? Come on, this is Jesus. The power of heaven. Come on. The ability to bring forth all of creation in six days and give us one day off to watch NFL, you know what I'm saying? This is Jesus. Bring, Bring forth the nation of Israel from a pensioner and his barren wife. This is Jesus. He can split an ocean with a stick and a gust of wind. This is Jesus. can bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. This is Jesus. He's the one who can slay the giant, close the mouth of the lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, birth the church, save your crazy life. Come on, this is Jesus. And he is strong as he has ever been. And he wakes up and he just says, hey, shh. creation is calmed but don't miss what he was doing in calming creation he was revealing more of himself to you because right the end of this story you'll see the disciples convening a meeting going whoa that was crazy Even the wind and the waves obey Him. Or in other words, there's some stuff about Jesus that I know now that I didn't know before this season of silence. But now I've gone through this season of silence and Jesus has moved on my behalf. I know so much more about Him. And because Jesus is more interested in the faith that is growing, the child of God that you're becoming, your faith that is growing, He'll allow you to go through a governed season of silence knowing that as you seek Him in the middle of that, you're going to come out the other side knowing Him better than you ever have before. He'll act on your behalf. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's getting ready to reveal Himself to you like you haven't experienced before. Hey, it's nice to talk about His grace. But you just wait until you are at the end of your rope and nothing but His grace can give you another breath to move forward. All of a sudden, amazing grace goes from a hymn you sing to actually being Him in everything He does. Hey, it's cool to talk about Him being a provider, but let's be real right now. When's the last time you really needed God to provide on your behalf? Maybe this season of lack is setting you up to finally learn how to trust in the one who has everything in his hand. Amen? (laughs) This season of silence is actually setting you up to experience him in a way that you couldn't experience him in any other environment. In his time, he will act. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's setting you up for more of him. Amen? My time is done. My sushi's getting warm. I wish I could wrap this message up with a really neat and clean miracle story. You know what I'm saying? Build some faith in the room. I wish I could tell you that with my little baby girl, one night we're like praying and then like an angel will just burst in, put a coal in my daughter's mouth and just declared and prophesied she will preach around the nations because, because that's what she was destined to do and that's the reason she won't be quiet now. That didn't happen. After two years, my baby girl went to sleep because she got tired. But fear not, my wife and I were smart enough to make another one. (laughs) To pick up exactly where his sister left off. So, didn't it? So, there we found ourselves again. The worst kind of deja vu. Sitting on the same black couch in the same living room. Crying wife, crying baby boy, me still not crying because I'm a manly man. (sighs) In the silence. But this time it was different. This time there was a confidence. This time there was a peace. I remember one night, a couple of months into the ordeal, my wife turns to me. Exhausted but still stunningly beautiful. And she looks at me and she says, hey, honey, it's going to be okay because Jesus is still in our boat. And I said, sweetheart, I know that because I taught you that. <laughs> okay, maybe that story didn't go that way. But that's my heart's worth, my heart's prayer. Not only in these 21 days of seeking, but for many days to come. Not if. When you find yourself in one of these times, you will know deep in your spirit. He's still in your boat. He's still in control, friend. And by His grace, for His glory, in His time, He's going to do what only He can do. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's setting you up to know Him more. Amen? So as we wrap up our time together, um, I like to do two simple things. First and foremost, I would love to pray with anyone here in this room who over the last 35 minutes you've thought to yourself, man, this sounds really cool to have Jesus in my boat, but I don't think he's even like, you know, in my life right now. Can I just let you know, that's all Christianity is. I don't know what you've been told up to this point, but can I humbly just clarify a few things? Christianity isn't about your performance. It's all about God's passion for you. It's not about jumping through legalistic hoops or clearing religious bars. It's about recognizing God loves you and he comes to find you exactly where you are. And he taps away at your heart's door. And he wants to be your leader and king. Because he's the creator of the universe and that befits him. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.